welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi everybody, you're listening to The Data Democracy and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Benjø, Chief Evangelist in Senea and author of the Enterprise Data Catalog published by O'Reilly. In this podcast, we explore what a data democracy is with knowledgeable guests. Today's guest is Pia Javelin. Pia is a director with Bouvet, focusing on enterprise architecture, and that is what I wanted to ask Pia about. Pierre has this unique view about data as biology. And furthermore, Pierre is a long-time knowledge graph deep thinker. And so I obviously had to hear her out about that. First, a data leader takeaway, shift verticals. If you don't stay in the same industry all of your career, you of course find yourself in a more difficult situation, but you come with unique perspectives and that can fuel true leadership. A second, a data democracy takeaway. Data can be inscribed in a national architecture, pushing for better civil service and also for innovation in the private sector. And third, a personal takeaway, never forget your inner geek. Pia has made a career out of it, waiting a decade before knowledge graphs took off and got popular. And now Pia is in the center of it all. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's hear what Pia has to say. Hi, Pia. Hi, Ola. I'm so um, happy to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Uh, so for the listeners, Pia, will you share a bit about uh, what you've done in your work life, your career, your background? stuff like that sure um i have um i started off with having a, a master's in something called humanistic informatics which is um mm-hmm. something i always need to explain to people <laughs> which is um <laughs> a, a more um, um a, a perspective a view on technology um from the humanities perspective and social sciences perspective Uh, How does technology influence us as individuals, our language, the way we communicate, but also um, how we're organized and how businesses work and how society is affected by technological development. Um, And uh, at the core of um, um, my studies at the university, uh, I focused on data and how data was a key influence in this development. Um, which has followed me throughout my career. Um, and I worked on uh, semantic technologies and how we can create um, knowledge from data through graphs and uh, information wow. models and making representations of the real world in, in data. Um, and I worked as a consultant um, for a few years uh, within different sectors Uh, before I uh, turned to industry and I worked within quite complex value chains um, in Norway and in, in the global industries um, in an enterprise architecture group. 
Um, uh, and then I turned to the public sector, where I worked with uh, how data is a resource and a value for uh, the public, but also um, how we can create national architecture that will support um, the use and the spread of data um, between public and, and private um, companies. Um, so today I lead um, a department of um, brilliant advisors and enterprise architects and information architects that also work a lot on these same topics. That sounds very interesting. And I, I will honestly say it, it does because I have had uh, pretty much the same career and educational uh, track record in my own life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so, so I do understand why you're so interested in all of, uh, all of these things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I think, I think uh, the more I've, I've uh, jumped from dif between different sectors, the more I recommend other people to do the same because it really opens up um, people's eyes to it, think things might look extremely obvious from one perspective, but when you pivot um, the view, it's not as obvious from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, we live in such a complex world that it's impossible to think that you you know the complete picture um, at all times. So that's yes, the most yes, yes. fun uh, experience I've drawn from uh, from uh, changing different uh, sectors, actually. Yeah, and I completely agree. I completely mm. agree. And on this, at, at the same time, you have these uh, ambient problems, right? That they they are all over the place, mm. and they are very much the same all over the all over the place. Legacy IT data quality, what is a data product? Everyone trying to define that, right? Stuff like that. Okay, so um, obviously I have also worked with uh, enterprise architecture, so so I know it, but but my, not all listeners might know what enterprise architecture is. So do you care just to a little bit explain what, uh, what enterprise architecture is? Mm. Well, there are um, there have <laughs> there there has been many attempts to explain what enterprise architecture is. So, <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> um, I believe um, you can, in a very very simple way, say that it's a way of seeing um, organization data and processes as a whole, and understanding how technology can be used to support. Um, an organization's goals, uh, mm -hmm. in short. So it's uh, about understanding the different um, connections um, and understanding mm, what type of problems you should focus on that are core and what type of problems that are more specialized uh, in corner cases. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of framing it. Um Okay, so so for, for the listeners, what's the stereotype of an enterprise architect? Stereotype of an enterprise architect is that they sit in their own office somewhere or in an ivory tower, which is a, a term uh, often used, and they create a lot of PowerPoints <laughs> or, <laughs> or models, and they draw up boxes and arrows and... and um, uh, speak a language that is hard for others to interpret and understand. And um, 
um, and are often uh, by, by, for example, people who work more in operations or in development, um, they might feel as if an enterprise architect comes in, tells the rules on how to do something, and then they leave. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. That's the stereotype. And I have, uh, as an enterprise architect and as a leader, uh, engaging with enterprise architects, I have only seldom met that perspective, and I'm quite happy about that. Um, Okay, so but you also have a very unique approach to um, to, to enterprise architecture. Uh, moving into to the questions uh, we prepare, mm -hmm. I have been following you for a while, and you have this uh, bodily perspective on enterprise architecture. So, uh, so, so, what is that about? What is, it's like an organic, even like really like a bodily metaphor for enterprise architecture. So, so mm -hmm. can you expand a bit on that? Yeah, um, well, I've uh, like many others. Uh, I find it fa I find it fascinating how how you also refer to it as a as a unique perspective. Um, I hope it's not a unique perspective. I hope more people that work with enterprise architecture actually have this in mind. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, but a lot of the comparisons because of the word architect are made to buildings. Um, mm -hmm. and also city planners, for example, that you work, yeah, yeah. uh, on, uh, how, how should, uh, uh, how should the streets, uh, be utilized? Um, how can we reuse energy sources and so on when we build different types of buildings and what kind of rooms do we need and, and, and so on, what materials do we use? Um, but the biggest difference between buildings and software is of course that we don't build software to last for a hundred years like we do with buildings. Uh, yeah. And it's more difficult to, um, to foresee what kind of um, uh, maintenance work you need. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so the, the house uh, metaphor is, I find it a bit um, static. And therefore, I, I, I feel like also in, in terms of the topic that we're going to talk about a bit later as well with data mesh and moving from more centralized views on IT to a more distributed uh, format, um, uh, the architecture part of it is more like a bloodstream, mm -hmm. something you need to to uh to live <laughs> it's something uh, uh each body part has to have um, a connection to uh it brings vital uh vitamins and uh, minerals to the right parts of your body it will help repair if you need to um, or it will just be there and um, be at the core of why your hand works um and not um and not be just uh i think ar architects might feel like they are the heart yeah but i think <laughs> the brain, the brain. <laughs> yeah yeah and and but that's the business and the and the heart the people you know in oh, in yeah. the business yeah that is so true that is so true yeah 
Um, well said. But you need something that connects it all. I think the mm -hmm. blood vessels, to me, is a good picture of that. The, it connects the different parts uh, that what the left hand does and the right hand does and, and kind of connecting them, knowing what each other does. Um, so it's more a collaboration and connection than being at the very core of everything. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really really good way of uh, of describing enterprise architecture and at its best, right? Enterprise architecture is not something an enterprise architect does. It's something that everyone does sometimes, once in a while, mm -hmm. making uh, decisions that make the IT landscape run uh, more smoothly and logically altogether, right? Yeah, and I think the important core of that is that you you don't you don't educate architects, so you don't kind of uh, there's no school where you become an enterprise architect and then you're kind of no. perfect mold and then you just go out and do the job. It's, <laughs> it's lots and lots of experience, and it's often broad yeah. experience. Uh, throughout the mm -hmm. whole value chain from uh, procurement of software to um, operations to long-time governance and maintenance uh, to end of life to understanding mm -hmm. business and business goals and, and, and doing transformations in an organization. So creating all these abilities in the organization, you have to have some actual experience with it. Uh, to become yeah. an architect, to understand that there is a bigger perspective, that there are things that you dilemmas that you will have, that there are ways to resolve um, opposite uh, wishes in an organization, uh, and it's uh, I I think yes, lots of people will have that kind of perspective during their careers, but then mm. having it actually as a role in an organization is often undervalued um, as a formal role as well. And often oh, yes. placed too yeah. far down in the organization. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes, I've experienced all that. Uh, and I think many enterprise architects uh, have experienced that. And it's not a role, I mean, to just uh, proceed uh, in the conversation, it's not a role that you won't find an enormous team of enterprise architects in a company, right? It's a handful of people. That makes it also difficult, but also necessary to have as a, as a team, right? Mm -hmm. it is, it's difficult because you have to do an enormous amount of communication to a lot of people. You have to, oh, yeah. I mean, what can go wrong with enterprise architecture, Peter? What can go wrong? Can, can you can, can you mention all the things that can go wrong? <laughs> oh, there's so much, so much. Yeah, can go yeah. Wrong. We don't. I don't think we have time. But, no, but, I, I but mean, a few. Think, but a few. I think the most important parts, from my experience, uh, is that um, uh, that you have one person that's supposed to do everything. Mm. That's the number one uh, mistake that's made, um, uh, and also if that person has. Uh, lots of uh, responsibilities, but they don't really have a mandate to do anything, then yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of a waste of that person's competence and time, I think. Yeah. Um, and also, if, if, it's, if it's too much focus on drawings and rules and, and really complicated uh, technical 
specifications, then that is also a problem. You have to be there and solve real world uh, needs uh, mm -hmm. for the organization. So yeah, J just to mention a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're right that like it can go wrong in so many ways uh but but we don't have to i mean i want to push forward in the conversation because we were always also discussing um uh, preparing for this call we were also um discussing the role of the enterprise architect in data mesh mm. which makes it like it goes from hard to i won't say impossible but it's like it's it's an even bigger challenge to perform enterprise architecture in a data mesh, I dare say, yeah. because it's so federated, right? So how, how do you see the challenges uh, for the enterprise architect in, in the mesh? Well, it, like I introduced with uh, earlier on as well, is it's a pendulum. So you go from centralized to more distributed or federated um, way mm -hmm. of working. And uh, I think for a time now, we've had very centralized view on enterprise architecture. Um, mm -hmm. And then some organizations have gone all the other way and said, like, we, we're completely distributed. We don't need an enterprise architecture at all. Uh, and that has also failed. Uh, mm -hmm. We have examples of that where it doesn't, where you start having autonomous teams that uh, go, in, go too far in each direction. And it makes costs, for example, difficult um, to manage um, um, and also results uh, and gains. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's an issue if uh, the technical perspective gets to um, kind of state the direction that we're going in mm. as well. So, so that's kind of the other... <laughs> the other way it can go wrong. So I think it's really important that enterprise architects understand that the role is changing, understand mm. that they need to be more, uh, to lean more in to the actual argu uh, arguments that come from working more in product teams, working more autonomous, um, having the freedom to to use the technology that is best suited to solve the tasks uh, mm -hmm. and kind of respect that point of view as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a less, it's an even less static role nowadays than before. You have to be even more organic. You have to be uh, in the loop. You have to be in the discussion. You have to kind of see where can I help? Where can I lift the conversations? Um, where can I provide guidelines? Um, and and kind of be the person that talks in between um, different parts of your organization and, and facilitate uh, to a larger extent. Um, enable the other teams that are working in a data mesh. Mm. I still... Um, and I, I've met a lot of interesting discussions uh, when I said, I still believe enterprise architecture is really important. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think that uh, the business side yet is, in most organizations, mature enough to understand the technical implications of a lot of uh, software uh, and hardware that they buy uh, and want to use. 
-hmm. so I, you still need that kind of um i don't know translator role or facilitator enabler you can call it a lot of things but you still need that kind of technical perspective on business talking with a business yes i i i, I wholeheartedly agree i think you cannot take uh, enterprise architecture out of the equation. What you can do is you can, and that happens a lot, you can fire all the enterprise architects in a company saying, we don't need this role anymore. But that doesn't mean that our enterprise architecture goes away. It just means that, uh, that more people are doing it in a more uncoordinated way, which typically uh, results in the fact that you spend a little less money on salary for some admittedly very highly paid enterprise architects mm -hmm. but then your cost of the cost of your it landscape just runs amok right you, you, you it, it like the cost of it just tends to explode because all various parts of the business the brain the heart the left hand the right hand mm -hmm. buys their own technology basically performing the same capabilities in various different by various different cloud providers, all kind of programming languages, like, yes. uh, and it's not true that this should be forbidden, right? It's just that when there's no coordination, there's no real benefit of, of buying all this tech. Mm. So, so uh, completely agreed. Okay, I I, I rented a little bit, but no, I've, I've been in the, I, <laughs> no, I've agree, been in the game. I've been uh, in the game. I've but been but I think game. most most important is that it's also. I mean. Enterprise architecture is, of course, you need to have a solid technology understanding, but it, mm. it's also about competence. You know, mm. one organization can't possibly hold all types of technology competence. Uh, of course just not. Because one person not. wants to use this and another person wants to use that. And I really It's basic mathematics, right? It's basic There's mathematics. It's more tech than people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. So, uh, and I, I also... Uh, Conway's law, you produce uh, the, the products uh, that will mirror the way you're organized, right? And if, mm -hmm. if you're organized quite dispersed, then it might be a bit more uh, difficult to control the business outcomes <laughs> that you mm -hmm. really want. And, and so you need to have some sort of principles or guidelines or understandings of we need to do this because this is the business outcome we want. This is the need we need to find a solution to. Um, and, uh, and that requires coordination between different efforts. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you mentioned the pen pendulum uh, at least once, perhaps a couple of times. Mm. Um, going from centralized to decentralized and back again what kind of role would an enterprise okay this is very hypothetical i don't know if you've seen it yet but there are organizations out there that try that start data mesh implementations and then realize okay this is totally not for us and those organizations are typically organizations not looking to expand their value chain in any way i mean you can be a perfectly well-functioning company with relevant stable products and not want to expand that portfolio and that's okay then you probably don't need a data match right mm -hmm. but certain on companies have just 
uh, implemented the mesh, uh, trying to create data products that are consumable, but then they realized this is not for us. Uh, uh, this is a long question, but can you can you elaborate a little bit on what would the enterprise architect do in such a situation? <laughs> that is uh, that is a difficult question because I think. I've had like the some of the the value of having an enterprise architect is having someone who knows the business, mm-hmm. uh, understanding how you can design a direction to help the business achieve its goals, mm-hmm. um, and that is it depends on a lot of the the different capabilities that you have or don't have in an organization. So what you would do depends on what kind of maturity would you have within the competence side to yeah. it. So if if you have uh, a gap in competence, then that's a good place to start. If you have a gap in where you have different kind of um, uh, cloud vendors and on-prem solutions and lots of different technologies in your portfolio, that's a good place to start. <laughs> uh, mm. so, so you need to be, you need to understand these kind of uh, deep business core capabilities to understand where to begin. And I think that is actually where an enterprise architect provides value. Um, you could nest starting solving the problem in the right corner. Mm. It's a very general, <laughs> it's a very like generic answer, but, but it, it well, is. Well, to a very generic question also, right? Because I guess <laughs> a lot of, there's a, a lot of different reasons why people would want to get off the mesh, right? And, and mm. it could be, as you say, a lack of competencies. It could be a, a simply a, a a strategic desire that was not uh, met by uh, the the responsi- the 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 responsibility it takes for the various business i mean there can be a, a ton of reasons why people would want to go away from a data mesh implementation again yeah right? and so, I, I think so... a lot of the like the the anchoring of the initiative was it business who wanted to do data mesh or was it mm. it that wanted to do data mesh it's mm. a big difference um yeah because you can easily get caught up in a in a blame game as well. If costs uh, escalate, and <laughs> if uh, yeah. things are yeah. not delivered as uh, promised, or yeah, so and and that is when you kill the enterprise architect, right? That is when you fire them. Yes, <laughs> there's lots, and of, then... lots and lots of politics in the, in uh, in yeah. this. Mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh... Yeah, so so enterprise for, for 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 listeners that don't know the roles of enterprise architects, that well, t- enterprise architects tend to get fired because they have high salaries in in the very moments when they are needed the most. But that is just the paradox of this kind of job. Mm. Um, okay, but so on that note, on the political note, I I also prepared a question because you have a experience from the public sector, as you mentioned in the mm. beginning, and and that is. That is really interesting in terms of of enterprise architecture, because political organizations, they work in a different way, I dare say, than companies that have profit motives. Um, So how do you perform enterprise architecture in a political organization? Mm. 
That's an interesting question. I I think uh, we we have, for example, in in Norway, um, you have a lot of these common components. So uh, identity um, management, but also uh, lots of different registries. You have different kind of reference architectures, patterns. How do you exchange data between organizations and so on? And you have to. There is a, um, a, a political uh, will to that the most public sector organizations use these common components as much as possible. Uh, so that kind of frames the enterprise architecture a lot. Like um, so, so it's about using these common components, which is the best for the public sector, which saves money because someone is doing actually some governance work on these different components um, and so on. Um, I think it depends a lot if you're a, whether you're a, a, like central government or local government. I think in local oh, yeah. government, you don't have lots of IT resources. In Norway, you have municipalities that are really small. So you're absolutely codependent on uh, vendors and uh, mm. and um, and products from the market. Um, in those terms, it's it can be difficult to do enterprise architecture for the reason that the the buying capabilities are spread out in the sec different mm. sectors, um, yeah. and uh, and it's. You don't have it much much market power. You you can't really say that we demand that you will deliver this and this to us in this format, for example, because unless two hundred other municipalities have the same requirements, uh, the product won't change. So you have less that kind of um, power to um, to customize stuff. Yeah. So it's a different type of being enterprise architect. It's more like having Lego bricks and you just kind of need them to fit together as best as you can and you will have some extras somewhere. Um, uh, so it's a it's a less customizable work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That In sounds very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, that actually uh, concludes our talk. Thank you, Pia, so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, interesting. <laughs>